is the most faithful and patient and gentle. God, would you lead them to surrender their lives to you? In your son's name we pray. Amen. This message is really leading us into uh, our congregational meeting later. And if you have the bulletin, you'll see that I've t- entitled it, Jesus Builds His Church. And I want to ask um, a question of you and us. And the question is, how does a church come into existence? I mean, every church didn't exist at one point, and then it came into existence. I and mean, you know, if you're familiar with the term uh, church plant, you would say that we're a church plant. We were, uh, were a part of starting this. But in reality, every church was a church plant at one point. There wasn't a church, and then there was a church. Some people um, got involved in starting it. And so how does a church come into existence? And we see in Matthew 16, 18, this is just one of those um, verses that I go back to for encouragement when I'm feeling like uh, the, the weight or the burden of what we're doing here in Woodstock is really on my shoulders, and it feels like I just don't know what to do. And I come back to this verse, particularly uh, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says um, to Peter and his disciples, I will build my church. That's Jesus saying, I will build my church. He doesn't say, Peter, this is great, you're going to build my church. He says, I'm going to build my church. And then he also says, uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The darkness is no match for King Jesus. So, and so on one level, it's uh, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. Whatever becomes of this Christian movement that's being started in his name, um, he says he's the one that's going to build his church. And, I mean, this wasn't an easy time to be uh, building his church in the first century. It wasn't like the Roman Empire was like, yay, let's do this. There was uh, tons of opposition, as we've been seeing in First Peter. There's hostility, there's harassment. People didn't want uh, Jesus' church to be built. And yet he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, this might look bad. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes you're going to feel pressure to give up. And he says, but the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So Jesus... Uh, builds his church. And then we, so we might ask, well, how does he build his church? How does Jesus build his church? What does that look like? He's not uh, physically with us. Um, he was a carpenter, but it doesn't mean he's going to build a church building. That's not what he meant. He's gonna, he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be raised again, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so at the end of Matthew's Gospel, verses, uh, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, I think this is really how he's saying he's going to build his church. And this is after he's resurrected, he comes to his disciples and he says this in uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so he starts it with saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so he starts with his all-encompassing authority. There is no country, no territory, no land, no people group that can say, sorry Jesus, no authority here, no jurisdiction here. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. It's an all-encompassing authority. And so Jesus can go to any person, any country and say, mine, that's mine, is all authority in heaven and earth. He can say to any person whose heart may be hardened to him and say, you're mine, and he can call them to himself. And so he begins with his all-encompassing authority. 
And then he says, okay, based on this all-encompassing authority, go, therefore, you can go anywhere, go to all nations. It's not just, hey, this, I know he, Jesus said most of his ministry was in Israel, and so he's saying it's not just for this nation. My authority is to all nations. Go, therefore, to all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And their baptism is this a moment of commitment, like Jesus is the king of the universe, and in our baptism we're saying, yes, I'm giving my loyalty and my allegiance uh, and my commitment and my love to this king above all others, no matter what other nation or government may tell me. And then he says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So he begins with this all-encompassing authority, and he ends with this ever-abiding presence that I'm with you in this. So how's he going to build his church? It's not, I'm, okay, I'm going back to the Father. Um, see you guys. Uh, good luck. You know, do this disciple thing. But he says, no, I'm going to be with you the whole time. I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus builds his church through sending his disciples out to make more disciples to all the nations of the earth. And so that's how Jesus builds his church. And then the book of Acts uh, is really the early history of the church. It records Jesus' um, talking to his disciples um, right after he's been resurrected and saying, stay in Jerusalem. Um, you have this mission. You're going to be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. But you need to wait because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And that's how he's going to be with them always to the very end of the age. And then we see after they receive the Holy Spirit, some people, um, they start speaking in different languages. And so people are hearing them being like, well, these guys are drunk. It's midday and they're already drunk. And then Peter um, the apostle, the disciple that Jesus said, um, I will build my church in the presence of the other disciples. He gets up and says, no, they aren't drunk. He preaches the first you know, Christian sermon to uh, people that are um, there listening in Jerusalem. And then it's interesting that then it describes what the community of the church was like in Acts 2, 42 to 47. They're sharing their goods, they're praising God, <coughs> worshiping one another, and they have this joy and this gratitude. And so there's this community that's formed. And then the last verse um, Acts 2.47, the second half says, And the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. Jesus said, I will build my church. The Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. But then it keeps going. Acts 4.4, 4, Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Acts 4.31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Acts 6.7, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so you see that from Jerusalem, this the word about Jesus, the gospel, the good news, uh, is radiating out from Jerusalem to all these other places. The word is taken to people and they believe and disciples are made. And then it gets out beyond Jerusalem, starts going to Judea and Samaria and then to other parts of the Roman Empire, the ends of the earth. And then Acts uh, 18, 9-10, um, Paul is uh, one of the uh, later disciples, is in Corinth and he's experienced some opposition. And then God says to him, Do not be afraid. But go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And so he hears, keep on talking about Jesus. I am with you. I have many in this city 
for my people. Paul's motivation for staying in Corinth, you would think like, okay, this city is totally against this Jesus thing. They've been you know, harassing me and threatening me, and so I guess I'll leave. But he says, no, stay, because many in this city are my people. And God is going to call them into his people by Paul staying there and talking about Jesus. And the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. And so his encouragement is, stay there. There's people here that I want to save, that I want to bring into my church. I'm going to build my church through you staying here and talking to people about me. When I think about a passage like that and the ones we just read in Acts, is wouldn't you love to see that happen here? Is that the gospel radius out of Woodstock, radius you know, out from this, through this county and through Chicago area, and God is saying to us that I'm with you. There are many people in this city that I want you to talk to them about my son, and I'm going to save them through that process. And then in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, we're asking, how does the church come into existence? 1 Corinthians 3, 6, you know, the context there is the Apostle Paul is writing to this church that has a lot of divisions going on. They've got a lot of people um, fighting with one another and saying, you know, I follow this teacher, I follow this one. This is the one who uh, baptized me, and if you want the page number, um, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 is page 953. And there's these people fighting, like, no, this person's the best, this person's the best, I'm going to follow this person. And so they're all trying to say, um, who is the teacher that we should all be following? Who's the person that should be our influence? And then Paul, um, in that chapter... He comes and he says to them, look, it doesn't matter um, who the teacher is. Um, we're all just servants. Let me read it for you. If I can get my pages to flip. So he says to them in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 3, 5, What then is Apollos? That was one of the teachers. So let me back up to verse 4, actually. It says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So, Verse 6 is the key verse I wanted to focus on there. That he says, some are planting. They're taking, just like Jesus talked about in the parallel of the sower, that the sower goes out and spreads the seed of the word. And so some are sowing. They're going where people haven't heard about Jesus. They're talking to people that don't know Jesus. And they're throwing the seed out and hoping that those people are good soil, that receive the seed, and then it grows up and bears fruit in their life. But then other people are waterers. That, okay, the seed has been planted here. But now this seed, this person needs to be watered. And so I'm going to do things to support them, to help them grow. I'm going to water the seed and be with them as they grow. But what it says is, well, some plants, some water, but God gives the growth. The planter and the waterer don't give the growth. And in other words, Jesus builds his church. God is the one behind any church coming into existence, any church being uh, growing in uh, godliness and growing uh, as we're being watered. So when we think about how does a church come into existence, it's not just, okay, we've got to put together our 501c3 papers so we can be a non-profit organization with the government. It's not, okay, we get some money. It's not, okay, we you know, get some instruments. It's not, okay, we get a pastor who knows you know, 
we assume he knows what he's doing, uh, but you know that's yet to be tested, maybe. But we get a pastor, we get money, and we get a building, and like that's how a church comes into existence. But that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say go into all nations and buy up some buildings, get some pastors, get some music, and get some you know places to meet or whatever it is. He says. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to build my church. You're going to plant, you're going to water, and God's going to give the growth. And so that's how churches come into existence. They may look like you know, some in- governmental institution or something that we set up, but no, every church comes into existence by God. And so as I've said before, our job is to step out in faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. We plant, we water, leave the results to God. And so everything we've done uh, as a church, everything you've done, some of you weren't part, aren't necessarily part of this church, but everything you've done in your Christian life, it's God's work that he's doing through us. As Paul said, the co-workers, laborers, servants of God being sent out to do his work. And so we have our part to play. It's God's work. There's God's part. There's our part. There's other people's parts who we're hoping would come to believe in Jesus. And he gives us a part to play. And we go about the work making disciples, planting and watering, and we trust that Jesus will build his church and that God will cause the seed to grow as he sees fit. And so we step out in faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and we leave the results to God. And so that's our message for today. And let me pray and we'll begin talking about, okay, where has this church been? Where are we now? Um, where are we going to be going? Father, thank you that it's not on our shoulders to do this. That it's not about us. But you do give us a part to play. You give us a responsibility. You want us to step out in faith. You want us to make disciples. You want us to plant. You want us to water the seed of your word in this town and in people's lives. So Lord, would you let us just feel today, yes, Jesus builds this church. You give the growth. Would you let us rely on you as the only one Uh, who could have brought this church into existence, but the only one who will sustain it, and the only one uh, who can bring any church into existence. In your son's name we pray. Amen.